0: I'm looking to try. The next mile, the great sight to the blind man. And down to the left child, we will survive. It is time to be willingness. Swimming through the waters above and not like a rebel fish. Journalist, specialist, critical and survivalist. Spinning heaven, fire above his lips. Burn a slave, driver.
1: Listeners, to time for an awakening on Black Talk Radio Network. New media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4:6 states, "My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge." But we as a people will turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, Wisdom is the principal thing. There forget wisdom. thought all that, again, get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to get involved in the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforandawakening.com. Which is the home page and catch the live stream at that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, it's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live audio playing there. Also, it's streaming at a b b two me dot com. That's a b i b i t u m i dot com forward slash time for an awakening, and the live stream will to be playing there. Or you can download the TuneIn Radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free radio app. In that TuneIn search engine, you can type in Time for an Awakening. There you'll see the icon and you can listen to the program live. Even into your car if you had a Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's Time for an Awakening Radio program. With the live stream of the TuneIn app, drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at Gmail dot com Time for an Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook in that Facebook search engine you can type in Time for an Awakening Radio program there you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard and do me a favor before you leave that page just hit that like button that's Time for an Awakening Radio program with the fan page on Facebook and Time for an Awakening media is always there Always full of the latest podcast of the various programs on time for an awakening media, interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. And also check out that time for an awakening marketplace in our partnership with BB2Me. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for An Awakening Media. It's 7.08 here on this uh, fall uh, Sunday evening in the city of Philadelphia, this fall, uh, October the 29th edition of time for an awakening, our guest this evening and scheduled to join us in conversation. Founder of the Numoja House in Washington DC, Griot Baba Lumumba is scheduled to join us this evening to talk about the a uh, subject that uh, we kind of kicked around on several occasions on this uh, this program. The fundamental question uh facing black America assimilation or African liberation our answer or our dilemma. And we ought to get right into it with our guest if he joins us at 710. And you can also join us in conversation with a question or comment comment for our guest by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors.
2: Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests brothers and sisters, our friends, and, and our enemies. <laughs> Everybody is here.
3: You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at Time
4: timeforanawakening.com. 215 That number is 215 885 2444 All insurance incorporated.
1: with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening at 7.13 on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African-American Museum here in Philadelphia, 7th and Arch Street, Brother Richard. Is with us, Brother Richard? Yes, sir, Brother Elliot. How are you,
5: sir? I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm looking forward um, for the con- with the conversation with Baba Lamumba. I think that this is timely, you know, just raising this question and seeing where we can go in the in the discussion in relationship to even for me, what is assimilation and what is national, you know, uh, national nationalism as it relates to um, African Americans in this particular moment in history. Uh, or, as I would like to say, have been saying lately in this particular moment
1: within the American empire. <laughs> Richard, you know, we, we've been dealing with uh, similar questions and maybe this question on several programs on Time for an Awakening. But, you know, we come right back to the same area dealing with this because the more and more, you know, we see things happening more rapidly in this system that we're living under constantly, almost daily things is happening to put this question right before our people. And we have to deal with it one way or the other. It's a timely question. It's a fundamental question. And it's not a new question, Richard, because, you know, uh, that this question has been dealt with for several of our ancestors uh, since we've been here almost since I struggle uh, with Europeans that have uh, uh, enslaved our people and and had us in captivity and under subjugation for centuries. This question has come up and has been dealt with in more than uh, several different fashions over the centuries. Uh, But I think things are coming to a head and crescendo now more and more uh, than we realize. To help us work through this, uh, the founder, the Moja House in Washington D.C., which is a cultural think tank down in the city of Washington D.C., Grio Baba Lamumba is joining us in conversation. Baba Lumumba, are you there?
8: Yes, I can you
9: hear me?
1: I hear you loud and clear, sir. How are you? And glad to, glad to have you on time for an awakening with myself and Brother Richard. Yeah, uh, how well, you
10: doing? Glad, glad to be here, brother. Glad to be here.
1: Uh, Baba, before we kind of get started and talk about some of these issues, uh, because it, it might go in a couple of different directions, uh, talk a little bit about the Umoja House and, and, uh, because we need cultural centers and cultural think tanks, uh, like you have down in D.C. in several areas, in several, almost in every neighborhood and, uh, uh communities in black areas to not only have a market, marketplace of ideas, but to develop leadership because a lot of our leadership is not being developed in our community. They might be born and raised in our community, but somebody else is developing them. Just talk a little bit about your Moja house before we kind of spin off into the topic.
10: Well, uh, a Moja house was set up as sort of a central point for a coalition of Pan-African nationalists that we develop called Pan leadership council of Pan-African nationalists. Um, which was developed by a group called UBC United Black Community um, and it, it really was an attempt to begin the process to institutionalize our relationships in in ways in what to have a central location to have a place where all the various groups we have about 1920 different organizations that are part of this coalition uh, and you know and which also includes a council of elders which uh, the organizations are allowed to choose somebody over the age of sixty five who has been instrumental in our development in in this community and to present them as a as a member of the council of elders so we have the Council of elders we have a coalition of about twenty organizations and we have uh, we use Kwanzaa really as our as our basic approach one of the things I discovered in D.C. is that these organizations who say they they have a, that who actually do have a lot in common never really work together but during kwanzaa they actually work together and we put up we pulled out some fairly spectacular citywide we become the the citywide kwanzaa if you want real kwanzaa you got to come come to us We put out a, a calendar which is about 13 14 pages long every year um you know it's a it's a a journal really and we we it's probably, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's, it's been considered by some to be the best in the country. Uh, we use that, and we, we use the Moja House as sort of a, uh, where the coalition meets, where we um, develop our ideas, we develop the Council of Elders, we develop... We have something, for example, in Kwanzaa we call the African Conscious Award. We choose one person every year that has been outstanding in our community, and we honor that person every year. We We... we we, we praise on that person. We give them an award. We're not at the point where we can give them a large sum of money, but we'd like to at some point be able to do that. Uh, so we 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 actually develop the idea of instead of being uh well, instead of being competing with each other, we actually want to complement each other. We want to uh, augment each other. For example, something as simple as not having a major fundraiser on the same day somebody else has it. This allows this allows people to actually attend the fundraisers of other groups who they support and it may not be belong to, but who support them. So we work out arrangements with each other. We take we we we're trying to develop a, a community that constitutes an alternative to the society we live on based on our own principles and ideas. So you know uh, we're not here to talk about that per se, but. That's kind of the idea of a moja House. That's kind of the idea of the Council of Elders. That's kind of the idea of the coalition. And we make use of Kwanzaa because Kwanzaa actually reaches all of us together, and it also reaches the masses of our people in some way. So that's kind of what, what we're doing within, in D.C. Or what we're, you know, we have our ups and downs. Some things are more successful than others. But since this is not a program about that, that's, I'm just trying to give you some highlights as to what this is all about.
1: Great. And that, and that's, uh, you know, that's I think that's needed uh, in order for us to kind of kick off this discussion uh, Bible remember But um, you've you seen the the, the kind of like the framework or the subject matter uh, assimilation or African liberation. And when I mentioned this is not a new question, let me because I, I want you to kind of break this open and from your perspective. But let me read uh, two paragraphs to kind of show that this has been discussed on many occasions, but I'm going to just pick out this particular one. In the Atlantic Monthly, in 1897, uh, W.E.B. Du Bois wrote an article called The Strivings of the Negro People. Du Bois wrote that black Americans should instead embrace their African heritage even as they worked and lived in the United States. Uh, in 1903, in his collection of essays, "The Boys called "The Souls of Black Folks," the Boys described the predicament of black Americans as one of double consciousness. Everyone feels his twoness: an American, a Negro, two souls, two thoughts, two unrecognized strivings, two warring ideals in one dark body that dilemma to a degree a dilemma for some folks still face our people today talk about it from your perspective and how this impedes black liberation
10: well i I don't know if you got the stuff I sent you or not uh, uh, you know I what i
1: I, I didn't and I meant to get back to you but but go ahead you 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 can break open well, a lot I, of I, your thoughts. I i i sent you two
10: two pieces of things, I emailed them to you. I get. i d I'm sorry that you didn't get them. Um, but anyway, you know, it starts out with this basic assumption. You know, we you know we we all use the word freedom struggle. you know, people say we're in a freedom struggle. Even the civil rights people, everybody says we we're free, but we defined it differently, of course. Some uh, the civil rights movement defines it as assimilation, successful assimilation into society. Um other of us, you know, the, the traditions of Garvey and the traditions of other, other people. It's interesting you talk about Du Bois, because uh, Du Bois's battle with, with Garvey was, was was kind of interesting. But he, Du Bois ended up in Africa. He ended up actually siding with Garvey and deciding, deciding that the future of black people was in Africa. <laughs> uh, you know, he... he, you know, he, he it, which is an interesting battle because even when you look at SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, um, at 1965, they kicked all the white people out of SNCC. And people don't know that. They don't make a telling it. And they wrote a paper which explained, which gets back to this, you know, I mean, which focuses us on black people focusing on black people and not bring, you know, they, what they said in the paper was essentially, you all are the problems. You, all, you need to go to your community and solve the problem there. You don't need to be, present yourself as leaders in the black community. So this, this dichotomy, if you will, a schizophrenia, as I call it, or duality, if you have been with us a long time. We've been struggling with this idea of either or, uh, but the reality is that our, our condition is, is both and. Uh, you know, no one can say, for example, that the work that Dr. King did desegregating, uh, you know, wasn't important. You know, I mean, the humility that we face not being able to uh, stay in a hotel if we were traveling, or not being able to use a restroom, or for you know, that, those things had to be addressed. And that level of it had to be. There's no way we could we could function with that level of humility, uh, um, not uh, that level of, of degradation, that level of, of Embarrassment, that level of just shame that we felt. So those things had to be done. But at some point we had to realize that the the process of assimilation, the process of becoming them or becoming like them or being accepted as them or, or looking like them, acting like them, being like them, or declaring that we, that there's no difference between us. The whole question of integration had to be stopped, had, to, had worked against us, uh, prevented us from developing our own ourselves as a people. Uh, It had to be otherwise, you know, and one of the tragedies that we face is that it hasn't been, we haven't come to that realization yet. I give you an example. When we define freedom, when we say, what do we mean by freedom? We can't define it as becoming them. We can't define it as being accepted by them. They're the people who created the problem. The, the, Freedom has to be, what was the major transgression against us? The major transgression against us is that we were ripped of our culture. We were ripped of our history. We were ripped of our connection with each other. We were stolen from Africa to serve their interests. So assimilation for them just means we continue to serve their interests. And that's ridiculous. That cannot, that is impossible for that to be a part of, to be freedom, the definition of freedom. Freedom couldn't possibly be Capitulation, because what, what, it, what, it, what serving them and assimilating society means at some point or become indistinguishable from them is essentially capitulation. It's, it means that you're vindicating slavery. You're saying by, by accepting that as a goal, by accepting the notion that, that your freedom is successful assimilation, you're really implying that slavery was beneficial to you and that's nonsense it's it's some basic contradiction that no one points out. No one points out the fact that it can't possibly be freedom. you know it can mean you living better it can mean you getting a job it can mean you um going getting into their schools et cetera, et cetera, et cetera all the things that integration implies but it has to, it can't really mean you disappearing as a people and the way we define it assimilation essentially is successfully is is miscegenation. is disappearing as a people. It's not only playing down your own identity, it is eliminating that identity. It's to become more like them in order to be. That is impossible. That can't be. Even though our struggles around discrimination are important. <laughs> you know, that's the contradiction that we face. It is important that they treat us better. It's important that our, they're not arresting all of our brothers and sisters unfairly, they're not killing us, they're not harming us. You said that's important. But our unity, our direction, our ultimate uh, 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 independence as a people is also very important. Addressing the major transgression that, has kept me, that was leveled against us is important. It has to be important, and it has to be included The the irony of it is, even at this point in our our development, we can't exclude either of these. We can't exclude either of these. So this schizophrenia that you're talking about really is something that you have to actually accept. Uh, But the problem with it is that we have eliminated the liberation part of it. We have eliminated the independence part of it. We've eliminated our relationship to each other part of it. And that's what's missing. What's missing is that part of it, the part of it that says we have to and should and must build for ourselves. We must build an alternative to this society, especially now that this society is collapsing in front of us, (laughs) that the, the approach that white people have taken to nature itself is backfiring. It's destroying everybody. So at the same time that the system has proven itself to be a failure in terms of humankind, a failure in terms of defining their relationship with nature, a failure in terms of defining our relationship to each other, we still hold on to the notion that our freedom is, in fact, joining this system with well on its way to collapsing. And we ought to be able to see that at this point. But that doesn't mean that we we can't, we have to, not look at the where those things that are are are, are 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 we are being abused by them. The system, is, yes, we have to address that. But our relationship to each other is even more important than that. It is more important. You know, we you know we see uh, police killing black people. We see white people killing black people. But we kill black people ten times more than anybody else. Probably ten to twenty black people a day die at the hands of another black person. We 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 commit. Half of the murders in this society, with 13% of the population, are a black person killing another black person. And we act like that's not part of our struggle. We act like our, our need to focus on direct ourselves towards our own independence, direct ourselves towards our own love, direct ourselves towards our own relationships, direct ourselves towards those things which build us is not as important as fighting the abuse that white people have against us. The only way we can be stronger as a people is to to spend much more of our energy, much more of our movement energy to, in fact, address the relationships we have with each other. And, you know, we can get on to how I think that should be done uh, and what I think is – but it's important to put things in balance and very, very important to recognize that the, dif- the deficiency isn't that we have to choose one or the other – we clearly have to do both. We have to fight their abuse against us, but we also have to build our relationship with each other. And, if we're in, and we are falling short on building our relationship with each other. And if without that, we won't, we won't have the strength to achieve whatever we want to achieve. It's impossible for us. They, no one will address that issue but us. And we are failing to address the issue of our relationship to each other. And it's, it's, it's killing us.
1: You, before I pass it over to Brother Richard, let me, uh, deal with something that you said, and I'm gonna tie it in with a statement that you made earlier when you talked about SNCC in 65, 1965, throwing out all the white folks and telling them to go deal with your people and their issues, and we'll deal over here. Uh, the, the, the mindset or the cultural difference between people of African descent and Europeans, communalism and individualism. If you look at a lot of the violence in the community, the root of it, a lot of it, is based off of you got something I want. I need money. You got it. I need this vehicle. You have it. I'm going to take it. This individualism that we have adopted and mindset, cultural mindset that we have adopted from other people is literally killing us, like you said. So in order to establish some type of uh, substantial freedom, movement or liberation, we have to develop a new mindset. Speak to that issue before I pass the Mike, to Brother Richard.
10: Well, let's ask ourselves the question, how do you do that? How do you think of, you know, you, we have to. Go back and become and the mindset, as you, the terms you use, like our ancestors, communalism. You know, uh, and, and, you know, I, I say the, the two words that we come up with all the time when we describe white folks is racism and white supremacy. Well, I, I, I don't use those terms. I say white people are, are insecure. They're, they're the only people in the world who have to dominate the world in order to feel secure. They're the people who, other people in the world didn't do that. They may have conflict, fought each other at times for, for something that's, but they never sought to, to can totally dominate uh, everybody in the world. White people's insecurity is at their, the heart of their problem. They don't, they, and that's almost the opposite of supremacy. That's almost the opposite of them feeling. They pretend to feel superior in order to keep you in your place, in order to, so they don't have to compete with you. They fundamentally want to control you, so they don't have to compete with you. That—that's insecurity, uh, and, and they're ra- you know when we use the word racism, it's funny because sometimes that works against us. When a lot of times I tell people about how important it is for us to love each other, to work with each other, to develop another mindset, they consider a lot of black people consider that racism. It says, "Well, you're you're preaching racism." In fact, it's interesting. Stokely and I were in school together at Howard. Uh, when I w- we were fresh in the sophomore year, he accused me of being a racist at the time. Before he actually came closer to my my feelings about things, we used to we both went to Howard, so we were both in philosophy. So we used to argue all the time. And at one point, he when he was still much into his integrationist mode, he accused me of being a racist because <laughs> I said that you know we we had to focus on black people. We really do have to focus on love of each other. And you know, and, you know. So I, I find that humorous. But of course he, he did change. He 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 did just change his focus, of course. But uh but you know, I think that even when we get down to accusing we're talking about racism and way racism confuses. I tell people there's good racism. When you're at the when you're people at the bottom and you learn to love each other and you learn to respect each other, when you learn to marry each other, when you learn to to, to want to, you know, what your ancestors want to mimic your ancestors' attitude about life. When you learn to be communal, when you learn not to spend all your time competing with each other and fighting each other and using each other, you know, you, you're you not being, you know, you're being positive to, to each other, you know, but some black people actually think that you're being a racist. If you say, look here, black people, marry each other. Look here, stop straightening your hair. For, you know, let's. Let's deal with this whole question of culture. People think that that culture, you know, is, is hip hop is culture. No, it isn't. <laughs> those are styles. Those are styles of music. Styles of culture is, you know, what you, like, what you talk about your, your perspective on life, the food you eat, the clothes you do. Your, your culture is central. See, you know, when you talk about that, we have to change the emotional relationship to each other. We actually have to actually learn to love each other. How do you do that? Well you do that's done more effectively with culture than it is, for example, with history. I know you heard I heard Dr. Clark and other people saying you know, that we need to learn our history, but that's kind of intellectually saying, well that's developing an intellectual connection actually, when you think about the emotional connection that we need and we need to base that on the principles that our ancestors taught us our relationship to nature, our communal self, our relationship to each other, our our love. And and out of that, out of culture, comes those things, see? So culture becomes important. That's why Kwanzaa, people don't want to understand this, but Kwanzaa was probably the best development that came out of the so-called 60s was a framework for a holiday in which African culture, communalism was at the center of it. In which we celebrated for for seven days different aspects of another attitude, of an alternative to the to the the perspective that's being imposed. This kind of selfishness, the sort of individuality, the ego based, uh, the narcissism that is so common, and this this tendency to compete with each other rather than than to cooperate with each other. This understanding the importance of community. When I talk about developing. Uh, uh, an alternative, we have to actually practice that alternative. That's why we in D.C. are trying to develop an alternative uh, community. Community is central to humanity. This society plays down community. We think community is neighborhood. Community ain't neighborhood. The closest thing we have to community is what the church provides us. Churches actually begin to provide some sense of community, but that's essential to our development. Out of that development comes comes really progress, emotional change, emotional connection with each other, the love that we need to exhibit the things that our ancestors taught us to, to be communal, to be uh, to be right with nature. We, you know, human beings are not in charge of nature. We're, we're a part of nature. And what you see in the white world is an attitude about life that is destroying everything. You know, this idea that they're in charge of everything. White people think they're little gods, that they can that God gave them the, that God is a big white man. He's kind of like a big Santa Claus up in the air and, and he is in charge and he's bestowed that his, his, he, you know, he, that responsibility to white people on earth to to keep everything in control. That's yeah. how people, Yes. that's yeah. how they view it. <laughs> Absolutely. So, right. I mean, I, I think that, you know, I don't mean to talk over talk to you. No. But I, I think that that's the direction that I, 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 it, it's, it's community, it's culture, it's family, it's leadership, developing good leadership, it's institutionalizing. We think we can organize. We have to institutionalize. You actually have to bring institutions that develop the next generation, develop the leadership. You have to teach people to love each other, so they will marry each other. So they will direct You have to and use Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa is a stepping stone in that direction that has been put in our lap that we, we, you know, people that they don't like Karinga or whatever, I mean, but that is a tool we can and should use to begin the process of reorienting ourselves towards the kind of values that we need to, to, to achieve and to be who we need to be and survive this society, because the society we live in is collapsing. What do you think the meaning of Donald Trump is? What do you think the meaning of global warming is? It means that society is collapsing; that its values have proven to, to to be, to to just be uh, disastrous for not only us but for them too. So, you know, that's the reality of the condition we're in. And I'm, I'm, I kind of apologize for talking too much. No,
1: no, Richard. Baba Lumumba has, has uh, mentioned some things tonight that you've been talking about for quite a while. So I know you got some things you would have thrown at the table also.
5: Yeah, and 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 thank you, Baba Lumumba, for um, you know just um, placing that uh, framework because what I, what I'm I'm wrestling with, um, and 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 hopefully you can help help me help. Us and, you know, as far as the time for waking audience who are wrestling with this in the sense of in relationship to the, and th- from a power perspective, well, and I'm looking at power, um, the, you know, a people exerting power, um, one. And that's one thing that I would like you to, if you don't mind, um, from your perspective, define. But the, the core question I would like to begin with is, that, that contextualize that is that isn't the ingre- integrationist strategy, those who, um, you know, are pushing and have been pushing, you know, Du Bois defined that in his way at that point in time. But isn't this something that's a part of the thrust within, um, you know, the Black American historical cultural experience of, of integrating? And then there's, those who have been looking for uh, li- liberation, African liberation, as as a aren't those two different strategies, two different uh, objectives, and there's two different bodies of uh, historical bodies of people who have been trying to accomplish those ends. Um, so, from a power perspective, and I ask you, would you define power as you said, and would you agree? that those who are going after integration is different than those who are going African, African liberation.
10: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that addition, that those differences are fundamentally emotional differences. Uh, You know, the the group who wants to integrate essentially feels that black people are inferior, that are, that we elevate ourselves, becoming more like them, but more being more like them is what it's about Uh, becoming them disappearing because those who want to integrate essentially assimilation means you disappear at some point, you are no longer even a people, you know, you, you miscegenate to the point that you're not even there anymore. And you do it on the basis of their values, their ways of doing things, which should be obvious to everybody else. is a disaster, not only for us, if we move in that direction, but it's a disaster for the whole world. (laughs) What we see is the world collapsing as a result of that. So we, need, we we should we should understand that in it's not only just a matter of saving us but to continue the path of assimilation is the, is, the, is, the, is, the, is the, to continue the world towards its end towards the destruction of itself which, which, so, which, raises,
8: which raises the
5: question for me um in trying to in trying to get and i i as, as you define. Um, Umoja house and, and what y'all been working at and, and, the infrastructures you've created. You mentioned that you, you know, you have, you use Kwanzaa as which the principle reinforcing the principle using it as a cultural, uh, approach in order to, um, bring different, you know, I think I said 20 organizations together to implement, doing an event moment, but it becomes a process of, of organizing, um, different, um, organizations, and you say even within that, it, there is a, a, another layer where you have a council of org, uh, of, of elders. Um, and so having this cultural organization that is operating out of the principles of Kwanzaa, which is operating, um, out of the, these African values that Kwanzaa relates. The question I have, um, to just get your feedback, could we say, that the elected officials that we see or that is voted in these particular offices are not necessarily um, African liberation, operating out of those values of African liberation, but are operating out of the values of assimilation.
10: Well, I think for the most part, that's true. They're operating out of the notion of assimilation. They've, they've accepted the civil rights definition of freedom, which is assimilation, which is us disappearing as a people. They've accepted that. And, uh, you know, and we have, uh, and and they are, because they had. you have to play the game according to the way that your, your adversaries have dictated that you're allowed to play the game. So, you know, Al Sharpton becomes a, you know, it's just like you build a statue to Martin Luther King because he represented assimilation. You don't build one to Malcolm X because he represented independence or sovereignty or separation, et cetera. Uh, one one's interesting, and you you see the uh, Muhammad Ali uh, uh, movie, Ken Burns movie, that they're playing a lot, and you you see, you see that being played out. And, and and you know, Muhammad Ali is one of the few people who believed in separation, who they have elevated as as one of their champions <clears throat> because of his, his athletic prowess and because of the, the way that he did as an individual, which is interesting uh, uh, justification for, for for how he, you know, because he was a man of principle. They're talking about, you're talking about principle. The principle here is, is uh, and the definition here of freedom has to be the elevation of a people and at some point, the self-determination of a people. And that has to be both national and international. It cannot simply be the elimination of a people. Because assimilation is essentially to eliminate yourself. It's to cease to be. It's to successfully become more and more like That's why you get these expressions in black. Well, oh, it's just the color of ours. They, they abuse me because of the color of my skin. Well, I mean, you know, we act like the only difference between us is the skin tone. I, I I say to them all the time. I say, well, that means that they're out in the sun and get a suntan, and they become one of us. Is that what you're trying to say? That's ridiculous. You know, we you know we are a whole people. We are a people with a with a frame of reference, with a cultural background, with a ways of doing things, of ways of living, ways of relating to nature, ways of. We're a people, and we we must value that our peopleness, and it must we can't you know that. I said, what, what, what would the world be like if if, uh, if there were no, no different cultures, no different people, no different races? What do you want? You want everybody to be the same? It's ridiculous. You yeah. know, we are a people, and we must elevate that. We must appraise that. We must praise that. We must emulate that. We must strive. We must strengthen that. You know, and that's the only direction that makes any sense, that has any makes any to be like them, to eliminate yourself, to assimilate yourself out of existence, makes no sense. That can't possibly be freedom. That's ridiculous.
5: And, 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 but that's
10: and, how we're operating.
5: And, and, and before I pass it back to to Elliot, I was, um, yeah, and you raised something, you know, and and making it clear that there there is too, because the thought so comes to my mind, you know, looking at. Um, the, um, you know, the pan African, um, you know, liberation movement, you know, nationalist movement and looking at the assimilation movement, it makes me, um, raise the question, um, from, you know, from of where, where is it? Where are we? Um, where is the, those who are, uh, advocating, working towards this grand strategy of pan African, um, liberation? Where are we now? as it relates to the body politics um, um, and, and, and maybe looking from, as you mentioned with um, you and, and and brother Kwame um, ear- earlier in the, you know, the sixties and whatever, where are we now in relationship to the body politics and the power well, dynamics?
10: I think that the assimilationist aspect or the civil rights movement because of it's supported by the status quo it 's supported by the media it's supported by pop culture it's supported by all the powers that be uh, are, are have become even stronger. you know one of the things that the internet has done, one of the things that cable television has done and one of the things that <clears throat> which, which is different than what we had in the '60s it has allowed uh, uh, the assimilationist to 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 be you know, to, to ascend, you know, black lives matter. You know, when, when, when we say black, we're really talking to white people asking us please don't, don't hurt us anymore. Please stop abusing us. (laughs) That's what we're saying. And, you know, okay, fine. But we're, we're neglecting the fact that we abuse ourselves most. We don't have enough love and respect. We have to see at this stage in our development, what we have to do is bring more of that internal Concern. We, have to, we have to be the people who are for elevating our people as a people. That's what we have to do. We have to, you know, we, I, you, you, know you need some of this, this stuff that the assimilation is doing. You need the you know, resistance. We might call that the resistance part of the movement. You need to, but you don't need to neglect the elevation part of the movement, the internal part of the movement, the strengthening part of the movement, the direction that's critical ultimately to your success. If you're a strong people, you can succeed. If you're a weak, disjointed uh, uh, people who, who are prey on each other, you'll never succeed. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll, you can't succeed. So we're not saying either or. See, that's not, we're not. We're saying the nationalists, the, the well, we have to create community. We have to pr- cr- build institutions. We've got to stop just spending time organized. We have to institutionalize. If you don't institutionalize your movement, then you don't have the schools, and you can't you can't develop the next leadership, gentlemen. You can't uh, point out to people and teach young people what this dichotomy is, what this why this important element, this important element of focusing on your own people, focusing on your elevation as a people, strengthening your people, uh, developing, looking for your ancestors, developing your culture. Um, you know, developing your relationship with continental Africans. And looking, And we have a valuable role to play for continental. We've always played a valuable role for continental Africans. Where did Pan Africanism? It came from us. Where did Garvey come from? It came from us. Where did Nkrumah learn what he learned? He learned it from us. Where did, you know, we're the ones who are, are in the vanguard of, of the salvation of black people, ultimately, in, in the final analysis. We're the ones who have to come together, unite, and produce an alternative. First of all, an emotional alternative, an alternative in values, an alternative in, in the way we think and how our, our alternative our relationship to each other and all our alternatives, are our relationship to nature. All of that our ancestors had in place that we have to return to. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't things that we, can't, we have to abandon that our ancestors did because they're not going to work for us now because that's true, too. But this basic framework, this basic understanding that our ancestors had, we have to re grab that. Without throwing out this assimilationist because the assimilationist part of it, the the people who are just focused on what what white folks are doing to us, that's important too. We, we can't we can't allow the police to do what they do. We can't allow them to discriminate us no more than we could allow them to say we can't stay in this hotel or we can't so we, so this duality that we started the program talking about is real. But the, the, part, the part of our consolidation, the part of our strengthening, the part of our internal part of the part of love, the part of value, the part of returning to our ancestors, the part of building an alternative, we have neglected that aspect of it. Nationalists, One of the reasons why nationalists haven't seen fit to unite amongst themselves is because of this kind of ego the leadership of most of these groups are really comprised of people who feel that, that being a big, big fish in a small bowl is okay. You know, it's all, it's all right to be just to have a little group and you have four or five people with you. And you know, you, you don't think about working together, cooperating with each other, building a community. Once you build a community, that means everybody in your group is part of, is also part of this broader community and they work together, cooperatively with each other. they, 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 they assist each other. They complement each other. You know, if you want to focus on economics, fine. If you want to focus on spirituality and African religion, that's fine. If you want to focus on, 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 on you know, uh, other aspects of the problem, all those things are fine. But you have to work in concert with each other. You have to learn how to be a community. When you learn how to be a community, you can be communal. You can't be communal without a community. And, and, and your organization doesn't constitute a community. It constitutes just whatever it is you're working on by yourself. So we have to bridge that gap. We have to actually create communities, and those communities represent an alternative to the system, and they represent something that we can learn how to be an African again within the context of our, our life here on this planet, in this society, as this society is collapsing, because that's what it's doing. It's collapsing. And part of our job is to survive that collapse. <laughs> and the only way we're going to survive the collapse is to create an alternative to it so that when it goes, we still have something. You know, we so, you know, we don't need to romanticize about revolution and we don't need to re- romanticize about, you know, the you know, the things that we have in, in the past romanticized about. Uh, we need to t- talk about surviving it and building an alternative based on our culture culture, family, uh, institutionalizing, uh, you know, th- those are elements that are, are critical uh, critical to our developing an alternative system, absolutely critical.
5: And as I turn it back to you, Ellie, one thing that um, as Barbara Lumumba is saying, and which I hope that, you know, be able to come back and start drilling down to what is those specific things to build Um, communities to build organizations to build leadership um you know i was i was going through um um professor henderson's book afrocentrism and world world politics towards a new new paradigm and you had mentioned elliot um um you know um baba du bois and it's it's a hopefully i'm not taking it out of context but i wanted to um even within the pan africanist or Pan-African nationalist community. He makes a, a, a point that I want to emphasize of, of a distinction when we're talking about power, when we're talking about power politics, um, whether it be integrationist or even amongst the Pan-Africans. And he says that the Du Boisian Pan-Africanists, as opposed to the Garveyites, set about to provide a conscientious agenda of the rights of people of African sent, of descent and the wrongs melted out to them. And I think that, and the reason why I wanted to raise that, because what I'm hearing now, even though we call, um, those, could call those into the political office and we talk about them, you know, been talking about them as like the Hakeem Jeffries or like the, you know, Langley or like the Charlie Brown or, you know, on and on and on, um, now they're saying that they're Pan-Africanists or, or their policies. Um, is coming from a pan-African perspective. So I, I think it's important to recognize that there is even amongst them, when we're talking about power politics, there has to be distinction. And I agree with you, um Baba Lumumba, those distinctions are grounded in values, in value systems, but do we have to build things out of. So I just wanted to emphasize that um, as we continue the dialogue.
10: Okay. All right. I, I can understand that very well. And I agree, I agree with you. There's a lot of discussion about uh, pan-Africanism, you know, And uh, but, but, you know, let's take even the word African. When it, uh, you know, people talk about uniting Africa. You know, a lot of Africa is controlled by Arabs who are pan-Arabs or, or, or Arab nationalists, so to speak. They're not controlled by black Africans. So the idea of uniting all of Africa really is somewhat unrealistic. Uh, Garvey's idea was to was to unite black people um, which means being an African and sort of like an equatorial African or a black African is different than just being an, an African we use that word and I think at some point we're going to have to deal with that reality that you're not going to get countries who are controlled by Arabs to allow themselves to be controlled by black people, they're not going to do that um, so even the word pan-Africanism is a it becomes kind of a cliche, um, you know, are you for the unity of black people and making black people strong as a people uh, uh, and creating kind of uh, the power base amongst black people? Or are you, are you talking about, you know, something other than that? Because that's what it boils down to. It talks about how do you make black people stronger? We're, we're the people who we we, everybody at some point was black and they turned different. They became different people. We are the, we are really at the heart of what it is we're trying to unite and create. It's not necessarily all of Africa. It's not 52. You're not going to get Morocco and Tunisia and uh, these countries to become united and become black in a sense because they exist on the African continent. Arab nationalism is is real, and Arabs, of course, were one of the people who started the slave trade in the first place in arab in the arab world black people are inferior for the most part or looked upon as being inferior that's a problem
1: before we take a break let me um richard you mentioned that uh in some circles uh black folks look at uh the lloyd austins the charles browns the langleys as uh, a degree of pan-africanism is that what you said richard yeah yeah because of the policies that's
5: being um, pushed by, you know, these African Americans who are, who are now a part of the, you know, the, I call it empire, um, mechanism that they're looking out for the best interests of the development of the, of those 54 African states and, and how United States can be able to do it. And they have, uh, uh, you know, a lineage, a, a, uh, you know, a responsibility, even though they are, uh, what we, Broadly characterized as assimilationists. They are Americans. They're not doing it in the interest of African people. They're doing it in the interest of as being
10: Americans. Yeah, uh, they're doing it in their, they're, they're in their own interest. That's what they're doing. <laughs> well, You
1: know what? And, and let me say this to tie it in with something that uh, Baba of said earlier. Um, because they, they see the solution to these problems uh, They don't look for an African solution to African uh, people's problems or people of African descent's problems. They look to other people, preferably Europeans, as solutions. They don't look, and that plays into what Babel Mumma says about really looking at their people as inferior. Because whenever you hear those people that are in appointed positions or even black folks that are in elected positions keep telling other black people, or we need these allies, we need white allies, or we need whites of a religious persuasion to be our allies, they don't really think that you can come up with solutions to these problems. Am I right, Baba Lumumba?
10: Yeah, absolutely. They, they, they're they placing you in a permanent inferior status to these people as being your saviors. As your, it's not... You know, look at Barack Obama. What, what happened to Barack Obama? What, what, what lessons can we draw from that? Barack Obama produced the Donald Trump. The reaction to Barack Obama was to give you your worst nightmare, is to take the entire Republican Party and draw it closer to the Ku Klux Klan. That's what the, uh, you know, we, you know you, you're not going to save us by be, becoming an elected official in their system with their assumptions basically uh, in their basic assumption is that you as a black person are inferior to to them and you, you have to be controlled by them. Now, you know, their argument is that, well, we'll, we'll give you, <clears throat> we can give you more crumbs. Yeah. You, we, yeah. We, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure that, that we're there to guard the little crumbs that we get from you. We're, we're going to help you get more of them, but you're not going to help us have our own independence. You're not going to help us have our self-determination. You're not going to help us feel strongly and, and be proud of being a black person and have our own identity you're not going to elevate our people vis-a-vis them you're going to elevate uh you're going to elevate them and then give us what you can in terms of their their power their prestige their their world domination you know that that's a totally different proposition and and that's the proposition that most of us of our politicians have bought into that black people are inferior and that all we got only option we have is to do what they tell us to do and to be is to capitulate capitulate to to a superior people's power over us and that's not something that's acceptable and it's not something that we should we should buy into
1: we're going to take a brief break and when we come back we're going to continue the discussion you can get involved too with a question or comment by dialing 215 that's two one five four nine zero ninety eight thirty two. We're in conversation with the founder of Immosa House in Washington D.C., Griot Baba Lumumba, which is a Washington D.C. cultural center and think tank. And again, you can join the discussion with a question or comment by dialing two one five four nine zero ninety eight thirty two. Time for an awakening. We'll be right back.
4: 885-2444. That number is 215 885 215 885 All Insurance Incorporated. I transformed a $24,000 a year
7: odd job handyman service into a seven figure high end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one of the tangible transformations I've created for entrepreneurs in various industries around the country. If this isn't what you think of when you think of accounting and business consulting, then get ready to take down this invaluable information. Are you an entrepreneur suffering with a stagnating company? Have headache customers, staff, or vendors? Are you rebounding from a loss and need help achieving your unrealized potential or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? Hi, my name is Nataki Kanban. If you're ready to go beyond advising and coaching and get results, then call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions recommend and implement the best comprehensive sales, administrative, human resources, accounting, and operations to help you grow into your vision for yourself and your company. Again, from anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072 or pull us up on your device right now and book your free consultation at www.NewBusinessSolutions.com. Just mention you heard this special announcement on Time for an Awakening
6: rg electrical inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors licensed electricians and homeowners licensed and insured underwriter serving philadelphia and surrounding area call today 484-268-9837 for
3: twelve years i and others like me have held out radiant promises of progress I had preached to them about my dream. I had lectured to them about the not-too-distant day when they would have freedom all here and now. I had urged them to have faith in America and in white society. Their hopes had soared. They were now booing me because they felt that we were unable to deliver on our promises. They were booing because we had urged them to have faith In people who had too often proved to be unfaithful, they were now hostile because they were watching the dream that they had so readily accepted turn into a frustrating nightmare. And so the collision course is set.
2: the desegregation decisions and other type of legislation and Supreme Court decisions depends upon changing the white man's mind. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches uh, us that our own mind has to be changed. We have to change our uh, mind about ourselves. In what way? Well, so he teaches us the importance of moral reformation, uh, a knowledge of self. And uh, for instance, the average so-called Negro, he doesn't think that he can uh, go into business and provide jobs for himself. And because of this, he thinks that he can only get a job from the white man, or he can only get clothes from the white man, or he can only get food from the white man. And we who follow the Honorable Elijah Muhammad are taught that uh, the same thing that the white man has done for himself and his kind, Uh, If our people could uh, be uh, wrecked, if if we could be cured of our slave mentality that was uh, indoctrinated into us during slavery, we would realize that just as the white man can do these things for himself and his kind, we can get together in unity and harmony and do the same thing for ourselves and our kind
10: not wondering at all about them. What I'm mean? concerned with the suffering and the pain of the masses of black people. No one wants to pay reparations. The Jews received over $100 billion in reparations and gets $4 billion annually. A Holocaust museum was set up for them on this soil for over $200 million, and they get $221 million annually just for operating expenses. But the Catholic Church, the Pope, the Jews, the Arabs, white people in general, no one wants to pay reparations to these, the sons and daughters of Africa. So I speak to them speak to them. I don't speak to the family of those two
12: Jews. There are too, too many of us for me to speak to them.
13: And one of the reasons why I'm always happy to come to this organization because you're the only one, you're the only black organization, again, that understands to put race first. Race first. Race first. And I've had some white folks to tell me that I was a flaming militant, a radical, or whatever all of these names were that they called me. And I said that I am very pleased that you've called me a nationalist because you could have said that I was a member of the NAACP of the Urban League. So I said, I'm very pleased of the names that you have given But I said that because we put race first, something is wrong with us. But everybody else puts their own first because God blessed the child who has his own. And so I think that race first is very important. And though we meet in a different venue, we're not at the slave theater, we're not at the church, we're now at the Masonic Temple. It really does not matter where we are physically. It matters where we are in our minds. And wherever we meet, as long as we know that we're Africans and as long as we know that we're black people living here in America... We know exactly who we are. You notice you can put an Uncle Tom in any venue in the White House. You can even put him in his, he's going to still be a Tom. You can put him anywhere you want. Well, it's the same thing with us who are strong people. Wherever we are, we're going to be the people that we need to be.
14: encouraged, let me just say this before our time winds up. And that is I want the people in the audience to go back and look at the video clip from Roots. It's entitled something like Breaking Kunta Kente. That scene Opens with Lauren Green uh, sitting in, who's the plantation master, sitting in his office. And then Fiddler comes in and says, um, uh, We don't want to be too hard on the runaway. Kuntakinte has just run away and been caught. And um, so the time comes for him to get his lashing. And if you look at this scene, it's about nine minutes, and study the scene, study the role of everybody or bodies that are in this particular clip, and you will find that there is an equivalent role in the political life of our country today, whether it's on the national level or on the local level. There's the black man who actually does the whipping of Kunta Kinte. There's the white man who does the whipping. There's the black man who intervenes with the boss man and tries to save the life of Kunta Kinte, there's Kunta himself, who eventually is forced to admit that his name is Toby, and there's, a, there's dozens of bystanders, black, who are watching. This is a very powerful thing. And it's an analogy of exactly what is happening in our community today. Let's give those characters names in our community and call them what they are and then take care of business about that.
1: Welcome back to Time for an Awakening, uh, Sunday edition. It's 8.15 on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest this evening in conversation, founder of the Emoja House, which is a cultural center and black think tank in Washington, D.C., Agrio Bablamumba is with us in conversation. Uh, we're talking about the fundamental question facing black America, assimilation or African liberation, our answer or our dilemma you can join this conversation with a question or comment by dialing 215-490-9832 that's 215-490-9832 uh I uh before we because we had a uh, we got a couple of callers here that has been waiting and I want to get them right on before we do that let me ask you a question because you talked about the need for institutions to uh aid in developing conscious Leadership, and also to move our people forward. It's, it's it uh, any society, any people needs leadership. Let's look at because you talked about uh, you and, and uh, Kwame Ture was in in school at Howard together in the '60s. Talk about the HBCUs and their mission in the beginning, and I want you to weigh in on this because you your perspective is a lot better than mine.
10: Well, they're, they're, let, let me do something quickly. I tell you, my background goes all the way back to Oakland. I'm from Oakland, California. Okay. <clears throat> and I'm one of the people who was there when the Black Panther Party was, actually the real Black Panther Party. <clears throat> people don't understand that Bobby Seale and Huey Newton didn't create the Black Panther Party. They don't even understand why that happened. But I was there at the time. In fact, he, uh, Bobby Seale and I, when we were developing the Black Panther Party before Huey was ever involved in it. We bought the first gun that we had, had together.
8: <clears throat>
10: That's a story that should be told to the people, that real, the real formation of the Black Panther Party was not Huey Newton and Bobby Seale, but, um, you know, without going into a lot of details about that. But from there, I left Oakland. I came to Howard. That's how I ended up at Howard. But it, it in, And I created a school called the New School for Afro-American Thought the New School of Afro-American Thought actually conducted the classes when the students took over the administration building in '68. It was the New School of Afro-American Thought that conducted the classes in the administration building. And many of the students who took over the administration came from the New School of Afro-American Thought. Um, And and so I've been, the business of institutionalizing it is something that I've been a part of for a long time. Um, And, um, you know, my history goes way back. To that period, you know, I'm now 80 years old, but I, it it started when I was about 16, um, being involved in in you know the title title and total development of, of a movement in 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 an on a, in a nationalist framework. Well, we had a publication called Soul Book. People can look it up. It's, it's called Soul Book. It's one of the first journals of black nationalism that this country originally back in 64, 65. I think the first issue came out. Um, so I've been involved in, in, in a very long. It's not just the, the latest thing of Mojows, but it's many institutions, organizations. I was a part of a group. People don't know about RAM, but I was a, a part of that. Uh, uh, you know, so I have a, a long, extensive history of involvement in, in in the movement that goes way back to oh, I, I'd say the late fifties, fifty-seven. The, it's a long time ago. Let's okay. put it that way. So uh, I just wanted to put that in that I'm I'm not a mojo house is just something I've been doing the last 20 years. But before that, I've been involved in a whole host of other developments and and uh, organizations and frameworks and but a lot of it had to do with institutionalizing because I knew a lot. You needed two things. You need a community, <clears throat> not just an organization, and you need an instant. And you need a, a to institutionalize. Uh, you needed schools. You need things that were permanent, things that actually would develop the next generation, would actually produce what you wanted to produce and what you know you needed to produce. Uh, like you went to HBCUs, and I always say HBCUs really, their job is to turn field Negroes into house Negroes. <laughs> that, that's the job of HBCUs. Now, and I'm not saying that there's a job that needs to be, you know, that we... We, 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 many of us went to schools, and we got a lot out of, out of those schools. We didn't get what we needed to get. <clears throat> In '68, when they took over the administration, Go Howard, they were trying to turn it into that relevant institution. Uh, they failed to do that because essentially society wouldn't support won't support an institution that is about us and about our interests. They support institutions that are about their interests. So HBCU have to remain about white folks' interests, uh, and white folks um, and black uh, white folk, and black folks have to serve white people's interests. We were brought here to serve them, and we maintain that. People talk about the Constitution. And I always tell them, if the Constitution was real, if it were what it says, that all men are created equal. The people who wrote it would have freed their slaves after they wrote it. When they wrote that down a paper, it would have said, look here, whoa, I'm doing wrong. i got these slaves. But they were slaveholders who did not free their slaves when they wrote all men are created equal. That means they didn't consider you a human. That means that you weren't a part of what they were about. And we have a hard time facing up to that. Yes. We have a hard time. We think that we're going to make them live up to their own words but you know america is not a democracy it's much more of a hypocrisy than it is a democracy they can put anything on paper they don't have to they've never treated you they've treated you like their servants and they still do and they will always treat us that way there's no way unless you cease to be a a servant and now, now most black people think that if they miscegenate themselves out of existence then that's the answer to the problem that means that you have no respect and love for your own people. And it's only that respect and love for your own people in which you can build and work and grow and become a free people. No other answer to it. There's no other reality to it. You have to face that reality. You have to face that in in order to create a movement that has any sense of being successful. The movement we have now cannot possibly be successful. How can be successful if we cease to exist as a people that success, Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, you know, this fundamental difference that you started to go is one that's been around a long time. It's one that we see we refuse to face up to. It's one that we're going to have to teach our young people through our own institutions, what it means and what it means to face up to it, what it means to be focused on your own development as a people, what it means to be fo- focused on your self determination as a people, what it means to actually play a role in in pre- producing enough power so that your people are not abused by other people for the world uh, and that and, you know at this point that abuse primarily comes from from white people but doesn't mean it can't come from somebody else you know, or some other group it doesn't mean that and you have to be mature enough to face that face the reality that you're abused you have to be strong in order to 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 Uh, 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 effectively deal with the abuse that you receive now and that you might receive in the future by other people. So that focus, if you will, if that focus has to be institutionalized, it cannot be organized. We were talking about we've got to perpetually organize. Organizing perpetually, it's like a treadmill. You know, you need to do it, but it's not going to solve your problem. You've got to institutionalize. You've got to create institutions. And you cannot turn to white people's money to create institutions. Or so even if they pay you for, 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 uh, 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 you know, the, the, the uh, reparation, <clears throat> reparations. Excuse me. Uh, even if it, you can't. That money is not going. If they stood tomorrow and gave each black person fifty, a hundred thousand dollars, what would happen? We would. We would buy cars. We would buy bling bling we would we would we would not spend it on elevator we would not produce institutions that produce the next generation we would not consolidate our families we would not focus on our relationship between our males and females we would not build what we need to build our internal concerns we would not stop killing each other we would not do that that money would not because it's not money that we have Put together and learn through the process of putting our money together to build an alternative to the system in which we currently live in. That is not only our salvation, but it's probably the salvation of the entire earth, hmm. the entire world.
1: Let's let's uh, grab a couple of these. Let's go to three three two three three two. What's your name, brother? or oh, sister.
8: Oh, this is Jay. What's happening, brothers? All right. Listen, Baba All I can say is, man, listening to you, it gives definitely clarity that our people really don't understand what you're saying. Because you just spoke about these HBCUs, and if you think about it, they're not really producing on the level that they should for the liberation and the sovereignty of African people and building the necessary institutions for us to honestly survive, not only in this country, but abroad. Because if we're gonna really be honest, if you really tell the truth, we as a people are not moving forward collectively on the level that we should, because what would we do (laughs) If white folks said, we don't have no more use for y'all Negroes, we got other people here that can replace you. We got the Chinese. We got the Indians. We got the Latinos. And what if they say we no longer are going to hire black folks? We're no longer going to take care of you. In all honesty, Bobo, what position will
10: we be in? Well, your your statement clearly implies the position that we would be in, and that it is the position that we actually are in, uh, in many ways. We've become the second largest minority now. The Hispanics have moved in. Uh, you know, we, we get pushed to the bottom all the time. Uh, you know, and sort of what... What the HBCUs do is they allow black. People, you know, this is not negative per se. It's you know, they 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 give people the credentials they need to you know to not be pushed out of society. You know, and we fight against that, that fear. And I understand that that's real, but it's it's not so much that we. It's not so much that 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 we just. We don't fight. It's that we don't fight the way we should. We don't we don't work on our own interests. We don't focus on our own selves. We don't internalize that and become create a separate alternative that moves in a direction that we have to move in. See the problem isn't that we collaborate with the system because that 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 also helps us survive. Some of the, that collaboration helps us survive. But the fact is that we we exclude the other part of it, the most important part of it, the part of it that says we need to unite, you need to to work on our culture, work on our identity, the part that says we need to strengthen ourselves, the part that says that our success has to do with our internal selves and that we have to focus on that. They're not going to fund that. They're not going to pay you to do that. They're not going to do that. So we have to do that ourselves, and we have, we have not done that. That's the problem. That is the essence of our problem. That we have not created a movement that that has a focus on our eternal relationships to each other, our value systems. Um, but we have the we we actually understand that. I, I tell everybody this: video, when when you see these the kids graduating from college, <clears throat> a lot of them put Kenty cloth strips around their necks. Why do they do that? They do that because intuitively they understand that they're Africans, that their identity goes back to Africa, that they, that, that's, that has to be their foundation. They don't even know why they're doing it, but they are doing it with the recognition that Africa is critical in terms of their values, in terms of who they are, their identity, and all that. We understand that. We understand that's why Kwanzaa has, become, was, has been relatively successful as a holiday. But one of the things we need to do is that our churches... Need to adopt Kwanzaa. One of the things that should happen to our people is that all of our black churches, in after Christmas, can go ahead and celebrate Christmas. Celebrate, you know, what you know, but the twenty sixth start celebrating Kwanzaa. Start looking at, bring in some Africanness, bring in some culture, bring in some identity, bring in some focus on yourself, bring in some values that represent your your uh, culture. We need our black churches to involve themselves with Kwanzaa. That would be a magnificent addition to us beginning to focus on the things that we need, to focus on ourselves, focus on our values, focus on Africa, and put us in perspective that allows us to be successful as a people. So don't- Baba,
8: Baba, let me me say this to you. Everything that you said is on point, but the one thing that you're not saying, we don't want to be African. We don't want to have African value systems. We don't want to have African culture. From the time 95% of us are born, we're being programmed to do one thing, serve Rugal. That's what the deal is, and unfortunately, you can say it, but ain't nobody going to listen to you. But that's no, what well, the
15: deal I, is. For so well,
8: everything I, I, that I, I, he's saying no, about not. culture, that's, brother, that's I, no. Oh, everything he's oh, okay. saying about
1: We're, culture is white. All right, we got your
8: okay,
15: point. Uh, all right, brother.
10: Uh, okay, uh, let me just say that you know, once you know, we when we do this, that's why I focus. We focus on the nationalist community here. Once we create, when, when you start hearing them drum, when you start practicing Kwanzaa, when you start feeling your see, so you can't rid yourself of that. You are not going to be like them. You're not going, you're going to learn, you can learn to love and respect being a black person. You can do that. Because all of us who call ourselves, we've learned that. We've learned the value of African culture and African identity. When we hear them drums, we know that that's us. We know that, you know, white girls ain't going to play the drums. Like nobody else is going to do what we do. You know, so we, we it, it's not so much, yes, we'll fight against it because we know what that it means to, to take the right path because it's not going to be easy. It's not like getting a job. but It's not going to help you get a job. It's not going to help. It's gonna, but we do have it within, in us the capacity to recognize and become closer to our ancestral path. To closer to our identity, accepting who we are as a people. You know, uh, we know that, that, you know, we can do this. Let's just put it that way. We can do this. And the, our opposition against Africanism is something that we can't overcome, and we are slowly overcoming it. We are actually slowly overcoming it. Why do you think them kids put that kinky cloth on when they graduate from, even when they go to graduate from white schools? They put a kente cloth around their necks and walk down the aisle because they intuitively understand that their fundamental identity is found in Africa. You know, even though we won't, won't admit that, we understand that emotionally. We understand that deeply in our emotions. Yes. When them drums play, we can feel them. We ain't going We not gonna sit down. We we gonna be ourselves in spite of ourselves. You know, we we go. We, go, we can do this.
1: Honestly. Let's go to 617 in Boston. 617.
16: Yeah, Yes, yes sir. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Yes. Yeah, this is Brother Sardiki. I want to say, say uh, greetings to yourselves and Brother Lumumba. And uh, I had an opportunity to uh, meet with and with Brother Lumumba uh, on a couple of occasions. And I ho- hope at some point, you know, in terms of the Nubian leadership circle, that we could sit down and really talk about it and him playing the integral role in terms of what we're trying to do with that. But let me just say that, uh, you know, like I said, I got a lot of respect for Mr. Lamont, but let me just say that uh, in regards to the ACE uh, black colleges, uh, I'm a black college graduate, um, and I just want to talk about some of the value of that. You know, they're, they're not nearly perfect. Of course, I'm a grandfather. I went down to a, what was then West Virginia State College, and uh, which is now West Virginia State University. And essentially, uh, up here, uh, I played some ball, uh, went to what was then referred to as a junior college, and they kept me eligible, white schools. And so uh, I had offers from some, uh, some white schools. And uh, what it is is that uh, the first uh, black uh, psychologist is Salma Catapulla, well, uh, I grew up with his grandsons. And his grandson was down at West Virginia State. He said, Well, you ought to come down to West Virginia State. I said, well, what is that? He said, The black college. I said, The black college. Say, I make a long story short. I go on down there. Of course, I go down there with an with the inflated um, mindset about, Hey, uh, I'm a ball player and, you know, that type of thing. Grades weren't that good. Get down there to that black college. And, of course, the professor said they heard about me and I'm glad. And so, But the first message I got from the black professors was, son, uh, we don't care what you play. If you don't study here and show some type of discipline, you're going home. So, of course, I was angry saying, well, they treat me like that because I'm from the North and the whole thing. But I was in the library every night. And the next day I know all these skills that white folks convinced me I didn't have started coming to the surface. And then, of course, that was in the midst of the civil rights piece and for some reason, I felt like, you know what, uh, I, in fact, need to be a part of what's going on here. I'm not sure why or what, but I'm feeling that I should be. And that's, that was the groundbreaking for me and for a lot of other folks who were involved in the struggle through the years. You know, whether you talk about Jesse Jackson or, or the brother uh, uh, Stokes, Stoke Carmichael, uh, Mr. Farrakhan went to Winston-Salem. So all I'm saying is that nothing is perfect, but I'm saying that even to this day in terms of most of the black lawyers, scientists, even folks in other areas of expertise come from the HBCUs, which, like I said, they're not perfect. We know that. But for me, like I tell people all the time when they ask me about their youngsters going to school, I said, uh, you know, you should send them to a black college. And, you know, after I finished that, I got drafted, uh, I taught school, and, you know, I got my master's, you know. But but I tell folks all the time, go to that black college first to get that experience. And so, you know, this is not to say that I disagree totally with with Brother Lamola, but I'm just talking from a personal experience what it it did for me and for a lot of people around me. I went down to that black college. I had The only consciousness I had was about playing ball. <laughs> and so I just want to put that out there because uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just uh, big on black colleges. That's all.
10: Yeah. Well, let me just say I, I I have the same story. I went to Howard and was getting a master's degree from Federal City College at the time. But I, I'm telling I, I feel the same way. I, I I agree with you. I agree with you 100. percent They play an important role. That's why I'm not I'm not saying. But you must understand the context in which they they're not well, going to be the institutions that we need okay. to liberate us. They That's are right. going to be they're they're perfect. valuable. They're, they're valuable institutions. Now, I'm not, not. I, I don't mean to put, put them down, but you, but you realize. Well, I think not get that sense at
16: all, brother, at all, because just uh, something somewhat about you, I know you would not put them down. You would just offer some clarification. That's why I agree with you that they're not perfect. So I don't want yeah, you to get
10: Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, Agree. I agree. I, I don't either or much as things. You know, I realize that we need a civil rights movement, even though it's never going to liberate us. We need black colleges, even to ever know. though it's not going to produce the leadership that we need. We need a lot of things, but it's not yes, to say sir. that they're not important. It's not to say that they're 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 important. You know, I I can't put Howard was very important to me. That, that, let's face it, I can't put it down. I taught at Howard for a while. I taught an upward bound program for a while. Okay. I worked for Howard for years. You know, I, I you know, so I I can't. I agree with you 100%, bro. I agree
16: with you. Well, I'll be listening in, and uh, Brother Lamu, I hope at some point, because, you know, in terms of the newbie Leadership Circle, you know, we're headquartered in D.C., and we're looking to get an office there soon or what have you, and I hope that you and I can have a conversation and uh, work together in terms of the goal of, you know, pulling together as many uh, organizations as possible on a cooperative basis and right. around our resources and what we can do absolutely. for ourselves. I really appreciate a- you.
10: A- absolutely, brother. Thank you for calling. Yes, sir.
16: Thank you for your work. Sir.
1: Yes sir. You, you know, uh before we take our next call, uh, let me say this in reference to uh, what you what you and Brother Siddiqui were just discussing, uh Robert Lumumba, that um that other folks and I'm talking about the, 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 the our oppressors, they realize the potential of a lot of these black institutions. So they use money to try to influence uh, the leadership at a lot of the institutions. And I'll, I'll just throw this in there in, in reference to the, what I'm saying. And and this came out, uh, I don't know, it was maybe about a month ago, maybe a month or two. I, I don't have the date in front of me. But Howard University just uh, received a five-year, over a $100 million contract from the Pentagon, which is basically from the government of the United States, towards military research so they there while we want to use these institutions for the recl- reclamation and the redemption of a abused people these other people want to use our young minds to further militarism and the destruction of people so exactly. it, it, it's a it's a war going on folks uh, I just yes. wanted to say something in reference to both what you and and our other caller had, had mentioned.
10: Right, right. These aren't. There's not. There's no either or answers. You know what Colin Powell, for example, did when he stood in front of the United Nations and he accused the, uh, the Iraqis of having uh, weapons of mass destruction. Everybody knew, and he knew at the time. We served them. You know, Buffalo soldiers were soldiers that used against the Native Americans. <laughs> they were used to further the advancement of towards the west and kill and and and. Uh, we've always operated. As though if we do their bidding, they're going to treat us better. But we do that. We often do their bidding, but they don't treat us better. (laughs) You know, we. I mean, that's our history. We think capitulation, assimilation is the answer, but it isn't. The point that I'm making, it isn't the answer. It isn't direct. It isn't what we have to consume ourselves and, and and see as a framework for our for our liberation. We must have this other element, this internal element, this element that's represented by nationalists, by an Africanist, that's represented by people who understand that we have to focus on ourselves. We kill more of us than they do, and we have to address that issue. Where Our divorce rates are higher. Our single-family fam- parent rates are higher. Our death rates are higher. We're, more of a, we're almost as much of a problem, we're probably even more of a problem to- to ourselves than they are to us, even though they were, they caused us to be in the situation that we're in. And I'm, what I'm saying is we need to, we need to face that. We need to change that focus. We need to spend more of our time focused on those things which are, that are actually designed to elevate us, not to, to accommodate or assimilate into their world and to do their bidding. Because we spend too much time trying to do their bidding, thinking that's the answer for us. And it's not the answer for us. It's is actually a it's it's actually a uh, a road to not only our our self destruction our destruction. It's a world to, it's a road to world destruction. What we see in global warming, what we see with AI, what we see <clears throat> these are all paths to the to that are detrimental not only to us but detrimental to the entire earth. <laughs>
1: Let's go to six hundred two
9: six hundred two. Uh, yes, uh, brothers, um, greetings, brother Marcus here, and. Greetings to your guest, uh, Baba Lumumba. How are you, sir? Um, I'm doing great, good, guys. So, I want to ask the elder a question because he has many years here, seen a lot of things here, and, you know, in his 80 years. Um, so, given the history of America, that anything black people build in this country. These people destroy it. We see what they did to Rosewood. We see what they did to Tulsa. And these people have an agenda to destroy anything that we build in this country. You know, there was a elder in Harlem, one of my journalists, and he told me when the FBI came to him, one of the, one of the French FBI agents looked at him and said, look, you're not gonna build a black empire here in America. That's what they told him before they sent him to jail for five years. So, given that history, should our focus be to build anything here in America, or pivot to the motherland where we can have some control? Because we don't have any control. We don't even. We can't even control our own community because if we try to correct some of these misfits here in our community the same people will come and arrest us so look what you're trying to do because they they use our own people to destabilize our community so should our should our focus be to build here in america try to continue to build communities here in america are pivot to the motherland um, as Garvey said you know there is a one little paragraph in Garvey's book called in the and Opinions of Marcus Garvey it said the aptitude of the Negro to disobey others coming from himself and his his solution was he said look you have to put these people in an environment of their own where they'll be forced to do the right thing because here they, they we get rewarded for do the wrong thing and a second question is what are his thoughts about this man um carlos cooks the ideological son of marcus garvey where does he fit into this uh, nationalist black pan-africanist narrative and i'll mute my phone and listen to the elders response thank you
1: Thank you for your contribution.
10: Well, no you know, the, the brother brings up a very interesting point. How uh, it's true that if you succeed, they'll try to destroy you, you know, black wall street and those black wall streets happen all over the country. Once black people actually develop communities and were successful in those communities and has white people burn them down. They, 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 they you know, that's, that's, that's absolutely true. That happens today. There you you it's difficult for us as a collective to be successful in society. I agree with that. But we now have a different set of circumstances where we have to create elements of a community. It doesn't have to be proximity. Usually we think of community as proximity and neighborhood. But one of the things that the internet has done and the thing that we've been trying to do here in DC is We've been to connect people because community is your, is essentially your connection with people. It's value. You can create things, you can create alternatives, uh, that are, are under the radar that they don't see until they're strong enough for them not to be able to destroy them. And you really have to do that. You really cannot just go to Africa because one of the things you find when you go to Africa is that a lot of these countries, a lot of the leadership, they control the leadership. A lot of the leaderships are, 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 are vehicles to exploit the chemical. They, they sell their, their resources to Western world, neo-colonialism. You know, you're familiar with the concept of neo-colonialism. A lot of Africa and a lot of the West Indies where, there, where black people are in charge, uh, the people who are in charge are vassals or uh, stooges or, or, or operatives of, of the man here. Of the, of the the money, because they're trying to exploit their people. Say, so, you know, most of them, they all went to European schools. They went to England. They went to France. They went to school. They went to, you know, they. So going to Africa or going someplace is not a solution in itself. Now you might be able to, you know, once Africa moves in the direction of more independence, I think moving to Africa is. But creating communities and connection with each other here is also essential. Uh, I agree with you that it's, it's, it's not easy, and, you know, you have to be able to protect it. But, you, but don't think of it as a neighborhood. Think of it as a connection. Like what we're trying to put together with these organizations is a, a sense of community amongst themselves. What we're doing with Kwanzaa is creating community. If we can get black churches to practice Kwanzaa, we'll be, churches have communities. Uh, now, they're not threatening the white people, so they don't, they don't attack them. Uh, but at some point, we have to be strong enough to create communities and be able to protect those communities because we have to demo. We can't actually uh, produce something that we don't know we're producing. We can't. We must create communities because we must actually actualize. We must actualize uh, what our our values are, or our new relationships. Uh, the in, the individualism, the ego. The, the focus on money and profit, the kind of things that we've been taught as values here, we must replace with African values. But the only way we can do it is to actually do it. We have to actually create relationships with each other that are based on our, our, uh, our ancestors' understanding of, in other words, take the onset of communalism. We have, in order to practice communalism, in order to learn what it is, we have to have a community. The community doesn't have to be in the form that it can be destroyed by them initially, but it has to exist. We have to actually practice the alternative in order to learn what they are, to learn how to relate to one another, to learn how to, so when we create a council of elders, for example, here, we can create a council because we've done that. We create a council of elders and we, that council of elders takes on a, the, the relationship to the rest of the community without without creating the kind of uh, 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 reaction that would respond, that we would have to de- defend physically and defend with, you know, because we're not in a position to do that at this point, but we can create community because community is a, is an emotional thing. It's a relationship thing. We can create more relationships that are based on, we can use Kwanzaa. We can connect these groups together. We can get them working together. We can get them, we can, uh, actually we can go a long ways towards creating community. And it's essential that we do that in place. If we run to Africa, you're going to find that the leadership in Africa has been co-opted by the white man here, that, 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 that the Stooges, the uncle Tom, the neocolonialists are actually, many of them are controlled by, by the French, the English, the Americans who give them money to sell out their people so sometimes you're in a weaker position in Africa than you are here. So you know you you so you have to deal with that reality. Going to Africa doesn't solve solve our problem. It, it it may help for many people, and it's probably helpful for a number of people to go there and to create and work amongst Africans. And when we, for example, practice African culture, one of the things that Africans do is they they learn to respect their culture even more when they see us practicing it. When they see Black people practicing. African ways of doing things, they actually value, say, Well here's here's the people who have been captured. Here are the people who have been lived under under the white man's tutelage, if you will, a man's power for all these And they've rejected that. And they've turned to you 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 know, their African ancestors for an answer. And they begin to practice that answer. Africans will be inspired by that. Africans will grasp that. Well Africans will, will appreciate that. That's what we see. We see our role is also to inspire Africans to be more African. It isn't just to go there and accept the power relationships that colonialism has produced. The power relationships that colonialism has produced is still in Africa. It still creates the pro- problems that Africa has. So us going there doesn't necessarily solve those problems. So I would say that I, I, you know, I agree with what the, what the brother has said. It is a problem. But going to Africa doesn't solve that problem, doesn't, doesn't solve. We must create in place a new relationship to each other based on the values, based on the principles, based on our ancestors, based on Africa. And we're in a better position to do that in many cases than Africans themselves are. You know, and we certainly can produce the kind of leadership that they need, and we've always done that, to look to, 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 to a solution. From right here, where we sit, where we stand, where we, where, where we lay our heads, even though what, you, what you're saying, I have, you, we have to take that in earnest, that what you're saying is true, in, in and that, that some of us need to go to Africa, but most of us need to develop African-based communal ways of living right here as much as possible, and, 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 and use those, learn from that, do that, make it happen right here.
1: We're in conversation with the founder of the Emoja House, which is a Washington DC based uh cultural center and think tank, Rio Baba Lumumba, is with us. Uh we're discussing the fundamental question facing black America assimilation or African liberation. Uh Baba Lumumba, let me ask you this before I pass it over to Brother Richard. Because you mentioned that some of the leadership and a lot of the and in, in some of the African countries have been co opted by French Uh, English, the United States and others and the use of, uh, seeming power over their own and money, uh, has added to this incentive to do this. Uh, here, now that's the neo-colonial setup that Europeans have on the continent. But here in this country, the colonial setup is similar, where money is used to control uh, a black organization, uh, and I'm saying that to say that if somebody wants to organize, and even if they want to organize in sincerity, then they're looking for a grant, they're looking for a uh, 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 money from the government, uh, sometimes religious organizations. Or other white anglos give them money which basically leads to control uh how can we uh, get around this in a capitalist society uh i know that our people in the past developed ways to get around it but talk about it from your perspective of money used as control to block sincere black organizing
10: yeah i i agree with you 100 percent, brother um we have to use our own discretionary money to build what we need. We cannot use money that comes from them. They, the, the Money comes from them will all automatically we be used to destroy. They'll, they'll give you some money, and then next time you turn around, they'll take it from you, and you'll be lost. So you have to learn how to make your money. You know, black churches, for the most part, were built by poor black people with their discretionary money. Most black churches were built by, by black people. Yeah, you know, they they put their money in there, and they decided, they decided they needed a church, and they went and built a church, and took their little pennies and dimes and nickels and put them together, and what do voila? What do you know? We had they had a church. Now, at some point, that church may have gone and tried to get some grants or whatever. Is, but you know, we can do this. We and we have to do this. See, the only way that you can control the finances of what it is you're building. Is if the people who believe in what you're building build it, finance it, make it happen. And we can do this. I mean, and and, and then if we don't do this, we can't, it won't get done. You see, we need institutions like black schools and stuff. We need, you know, people can pay tuition to send their kids to that school. They can make donations or they can create. We had something here called the African Freedom Fund Treasury, and which people, would, d- would donate money, not you're not you're not a credit union, not a bank, but put money. You say, well, I I can give twenty dollars a month. So we, we you say, well, okay, I can. All I all you have to do is pick up that Now You can come and get twenty dollars from me. You put it in there, and you can use that money to build what we want to build. Now this discretion, it's my discretion, It's my contribution to what we're building. It is not. I don't necessarily need a tax write off. I don't need it into a nonprofit. I need it. I need. We need to depend on those people who want. That's why we're trying to build and consolidate the nationalist community. Those people who the nationalists are essentially people who understand the the importance of self-reliance, understand the importance of us uh, um, building for ourselves, building and unifying the importance of us unifying as the basis for us our progress. So, if you understand that and you want to, and you're willing to give up. a month, $25 a month, $10 a month, $5 a month, a dollar, whatever, put that together out of that. And if you can do that consistently, that money can be used to actually build something that you can sustain, build something that you, that will happen, build something that you, money that you get from other sources cannot be even reparations. Money can't be not going to happen. So, you know, it all the money that you use, your discretionary money, the degree in which we're willing to give our discretionary money to build what we need also allows us to monitor how strong our movement is, see? The more people who do that, the more people who who show their commitment, the more people you have behind you, the more people you have to do. So it is also money is also a way to actually accomplish what it is you want to accomplish. And your own money is the only thing you can use to accomplish those things with. You cannot use money you get from other people to accomplish it. That's not gonna happen. It 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 works against what you want to operate. Money that you get from other sources other than yourself works against what it is you're trying to build. Not not for it.
1: Richard
5: You know I was as as, as the dialogue was going on <clears throat> Um, Baba uh, Lumumba, and I was, I had earlier was looking at, um, the art, art of leadership by, uh, Oba Tshaka. And he, you know, one of the thoughts that struck me is about, and you've been touching on it as far as the churches and even in, again, the structures that you've created and have created in the past. And I, I, I definitely, um, would like to explore more at another time, um, your earlier, um, organizational or, uh institutional building experiences. But he said um about organize, um organizing training sessions, was thinking about young people. It made me wonder, you know, <clears throat> the question of in the now, what is it that our com- family our families, our communities and our organizations are missing in order to deal with developing youth leadership and 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 strengthen them. Um, I like to see if I can get your thoughts about that. What is it that we we you know we have some to whatever degree, but from the perspective of you know dealing with this, uh, I'm gonna call it deliberation effort. What is it that we're we're missing? Uh, your your experience is telling you that we need to be uh, aware of.
10: Well, one of the things that comes to mind is our relationship between males and females. You know, uh, we don't have the families. That we used to. When I was coming up, almost all our families had a a mother and a father, and and then and it's very important, especially for young boys, to have a father around. Nowadays, most of them don't have fathers, and they turn to each other. And when they do that, it it ends up being in competition uh, with other young black men, you know, and about money. Whereas if a father was around, they would not necessarily turn to each other. They would not necessarily produce gangs. Uh, So it gets back to why isn't he around? Well, what is What males and females have to actually stay together. They actually have to get married. They actually have to have race. They have to be a man there. But now what happens? You know, why? When I was coming up, almost everybody had a mother and a father in the house, and they had that kind of stability, which allowed them to. to, to be balanced. It allowed the females to understand what it was to have a husband and what it was their father represented at some point, uh, a, a future husband. He, they they learned what it meant to be a good man in the house and wh- who they should look for as a husband at some point in their lives. Uh, for the boys, it gave them, uh, it, it did the same thing. It allowed them to see what, a, uh, what, you know what their fathers, their fathers were there for them. You know, not, so one of the biggest problems that we face is the is the the disillusionment of of the black family. Males and females are not produced. You know, it's produced that it's, it's out of balance. Things are so out of balance that you know it, it's contributed a great deal to to destruction. And some of us, in many of our cases, the the black black women have produced a kind of black feminist movement, and you see them talking about you know their their you know kind of a black feminist agenda sort of speak and that's been actually pretty destructive for us we 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 we, we can't focus on elevate well, our job isn't to elevate black women our job is to elevate black people
15: mm-hmm. and to do
10: to elevate black people we need to have strong families they have strong families we need to have Relationships between males and females. So we need to address that issue. We need to actually work on that. We need to actually, you know, figure out why, why, why we have such a high divorce rate. Why we have, why, why are we producing children? You know, not not only there's a problem that doesn't get talked about. A woman might have three or four children. They all might have different fathers. Well, that that creates serious problems. <laughs> you know for the for the one man who has a child by a woman wants to let's say give his child a birthday gift on the, on the, on his on their birthday well what does he do does he have to give a birthday gift to everybody or does he uh, or does that create dissension amongst the children they're not they're not as close as they would be if they had what a mother and a father and what you know we don't talk about these problems but they're very real problems when it comes to us working together, learning how to love one another, learning how to, what our roles are. There is such a thing as, as gender roles. You know, a man is not going to have a baby. A man is responsible for protection. And I tell everyone, I we say, well, if I know as much, I, I hear this from sister. I know as much martial arts. as If you're walking down the street with your man and somebody assaults you and he runs and hides and you beat up the person that assaults you, You've destroyed your relationship. If that man is not responsible for protecting you, which is his role, and you know as much as martial arts as he does, and he 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 feels like you just as responsible for protecting him as he is protecting you, you don't have a relationship. You don't have a relationship. You know, but we've gotten to the point where this notion that 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 women can operate independently and it's okay if you have. Four children by four different men, and, or you, or, you know, we, we create these problems for ourselves. We have to address these problems. And we can do that by institutionalizing. We can do that by, you know, when we create an institution, even if it's just a Saturday school, if it's an after school school, if it's uh, something that we can begin to work on those things. If you take, that's why I say start with Kwanzaa. Practice Kwanzaa, get around people, you'll be around people who also are thinking about the same things that you're thinking about, people who you can actually connect with, build some institution that allows you to affect and address these issues. You've got cultural issues, you've got male-female relationship issues, you've got leadership development issues, you've got family issues, you got all of these things have to be focused on. None of these things are we we are focusing on, and those are the core elements which allow us to grow as a people and develop in the direction that we need to develop in. So we have to change our focus from being, you know, yes, continue to be concerned about what white people do to us, about police brutality, about getting people elected. But make sure that people get elected to office are going to do something for you, and that's a difficult, difficult thing to happen. So, you know, in the same time, build community, build family, build institutions and remember culture and the culture has to be African based culture. You know, it ain't hip hop. Hip hop is not culture. It's style. Even jazz ain't culture. It's a style of music. <laughs> a culture is identity It's what pulls you together. It's your emotional connection to each other that you have to deal with. And that has to be based in Africa. If it ain't based in Africa, then you're allowing white people to have created you. Yep. You're saying I didn't become a person till after you captured me, that you put me in change, after you subjugated me. That's when I became a human being. Mm-hmm. If you do not accept African culture, that's the definition you've given to yourself, which means you can, you must, if you use that definition, that you were only created after they capture you, you vindicate slavery, you push yourself in an inferior position, and out of that quagmire we will never recover we will never be able to be a strong people we will never we can't do that africa is key african culture is key african identity is key this is a critical element that people have to come to grips with you don't come to grips with it we're doomed as a people you hear what i said we are doomed as a people unless our ad- identity precedes our captivity and our subjugation. And, and it's that, as simple as that.
1: And, and that's the fight, Richard, that's going on, because they want to uh, uh, set the parameters of how we see ourselves. You can see it clearly. Right. Even, this, right. even what Baba LaMoon was saying about hip-hop. You hear they have told black leadership that hip-hop is a culture, and they're running around repeating this to other black people, that it's our culture. We've talked about this on the program, Richard. We can't, we, we got to stop letting other people determine and set the parameters of our people and what they believe. That, let me go to 469. Cool. Four, six,
17: 469? Four, four, Hello. How's you all doing today? Great, great. How you doing, brother? All right. Uh, I, I, I'd like to come back to community, and maybe I didn't quite understand correctly that um, there's not necessarily a physical location that represents the community. Um, You know, I've always, or the the way that I see it is that community, you have to have a physical uh, location or locale for a community. And I go back to the times when we were segregated, you know, I lived in Tulsa and I'm in Houston now. And one of the things about what, what made those communities strong was the fact that they were segregated and white folk didn't really necessarily get into our affairs. So that meant that we had to become creative and use our whole creativity to produced the businesses and the institutions within that physical uh, landscape that was necessary for us to survive. And going back with Tulsa, Tulsa was destroyed twice. You know, uh, it was destroyed by the bombs, but they rebuilt from that. The second time it was destroyed, it was destroyed psychologically because they opened it up so that black folk could go over into South Tulsa and do commerce. And when they did that, then the businesses and the uh, the value systems that we had placed, we were forced to do those things. But when, those, when that was no longer necessary, then that community as well as other communities across the country disintegrated. And I'll say one other thing in terms of, the physical physical locale, you have a community here in Houston, which is a large community. It's an Asian community. It's physical. The signs are even changed to where they're written, they're written, you know, both in English and in Chinese or whatever, you know, whatever the language is. So I kind of like to, for him to kind of revisit that community thing and, does he feel like it's the necessity to have the physical community in and of itself as well as the uh, the psychological aspect to where you bind together because you are an African people? And I'll just uh, hang up and listen to you.
10: Okay. Uh, that's a, that's a, a very good uh, observation. Uh, let me just say this. The issue of proximity, we think about community as a neighborhood and that, that's the issue that you bring up. but you're, you know there's two problems with that. One is that it, it, it almost can't happen now. So right now uh, uh, proximity is it, it, at some point can be important and can be in, can be used. Right now it, it cannot be. Community is essentially your relationship with each other. What do you do for each other? For example, if you uh, need your grass cut, do you call somebody that you know, somebody, another brother, sister, and get somebody to cut your grass? Do you, uh, when you go to the bank, do you bank at, at, a, at a place where black people bank? Do you, when you marry, do you find somebody? Do you, When you go to a church, do you go to a church that which you're mostly black people attend? When you shop your food, when you go buy food, do you, do, you, do you seek and find a place that black people have a store that you can buy at? Are you connected to them in any tangible way? When you seek advice, when you have parties, when you do all of the connections that people have, community can be the, 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 essentially the connections between people. Um, how are they connected to you? How are they? You know, not not necessarily proximity. Uh, the, the other problem that we had, and then you, you mentioned Tulsa, and you mentioned at some point they when when white folks open up. You see, most of them. That's another reason why African culture is important. We need to have our own culture. So when when the, when the Asians go into their community, they see their language. The language is part of culture. So that again reinforces their identity. We don't have a separate. We're speaking English. We're not speaking Swahili. You know, we're we're wearing clothes. We're wearing white folks' clothes. We set up our store. We use white folks as a model. When we set up our bank, we use them as a model. We don't have an African frame of reference. So when we include an African frame, if we had the the communities that we created out of segregation, which were all over the place in the South and the you know. If, we, if those communities would have been created with an African style, if they had a language, if they had the clothes, if they were, we were doing things along African lines, then we would have sustained those. W- what happened is that when we all, since we modeled ourselves uh, after white culture, after white ways of doing things, after white ways of speaking, after white ways of eating, everything else, when they offered the chance for us to go to their stores, uh, to sh- go to their banks, to go to their ways of doing things, we ran to it because our ways were simply a copy of their ways. <laughs> when we have an African frame of reference, our ways won't be a copy of their ways. They'll be our own ways. Mm-hmm. We will stick together with them. So we, you know, we, that's why African is, it's, it's important. That's why proximity is not as critical as cultural context. We will automatically, the Asians that you're talking about, they come together. The Vietnamese, they come together based on their culture, based on their language, based on the food that they eat, based on the clothes they wear. They are a people. They want to That have value to them. That sustains them. That perpetuates them. That helps them in many ways. We don't have that. We've been robbed of that. When we add that element, then we can also build communities. We can be, because they're ours at that point, because we identify that we're close to them, we're emotionally attached to them, which means we're emotionally attached to each other, which means we have communities. Community ain't proximity, community is culture, community is identity, community is the emotional connection that you get from that culture, that's why that's very important. You see, the model that we have now when we're simply doing things the way white people do them, once they offer us a chance to do them with them, we run to them. That's what we do. You know, we are not – that's why, again, African identity and African culture is critical to building community. Communities can be built with that without without putting proximity at the top of the list, placing proximity – as the most important element. Communities are not neighborhoods per se, but if they, they are, if you have that cultural connection, they may event they, they can become communities. If you don't have that cultural connection, then you're lost. You're lost whether they, whether they attack you and burn you down or they're lost whether they simply offer you a chance to go shop at, at their stores. You're gonna abandon your own and go to them because you don't value them. They don't they don't you don't identify with them you're not emotionally connected to them you're not attached to them and uh, that attachment comes from culture you know't it's does not, it's nothing mystical about it It's like everybody else in the world. we don't have the things that everybody else in the world uses to consolidate their power. We don't have those things and we have to get them in order to consolidate our own power that is critical and essential and I hope very well I've answered your question <laughs>
1: Richard we coming down the home stretch uh uh go ahead i'm a, i'm gonna pass it to you before i kind of uh...
5: no i just i just, uh, just want to um thank um you know Bob you know um, for what you're what you're doing and and what i'm seeing and what you're saying um and this here you know with us the time for waking audience i, I kind of think that you have kind of at least provided us the framework of the power of culture the need for us to utilize culture as a weapon um and as a defense shield um you know in relationship to isolating ourselves from the broader society that which will not make us invisible and I, I really uh appreciate that. And I think that, you know, it's it's already defined by you saying utilizing Kwanzaa, that, you know, the value system is already there. The principles, the seven principles are already there. The one challenge I I guess, uh, Babalamuma, that I see that you raise for all of us would be able to getting those churches to be able to recognize that they could be able to implement, um, this cultural, um, principle, um, practice and it, and it doesn't interfere. Well, what they're, what they're operating in the community they have developed. I think that that's something that all of us can take as a, a challenge that we, you know, how do we approach those community, those institutional communities to to ask, to see if they can incorporate that, um, in order to magnify. So I, I'm looking forward to, even with myself to see how, you know, that can be done. So I just appreciated the exchange we had so far
10: thank
1: you Baba, remember, you know what Richard just said <laughs> about the churches and uh, utilizing them uh, I guess sometimes these things got to be pointed out to our folks so we can kind of see exactly what's going on and a lot of our people know you know that if they, if they uh, kind of follow the tea leaves so to speak they see what's going on um, the This Western civilization and Europeans themselves knew that the churches was used as a rallying cry and as an organizing tool for black communities. So if you notice during, uh, I think it was during the Bush administration, Richard, you could correct me. uh, They came up with this faith-based initiative where churches would get money to do certain things and, and, and uh, you know within the parameters of how they're operating and in order to get more money you've got to go along with these parameters now uh, bush was a republican and last i uh, last i noticed right but that that program had been kept under obama it was kept under trump and it's still going on now so that money they always use that money Whether it's a neocolonial government, governments that they have set up on the continent, or whether it's a colonial or colonized people that we are here, they use that money to try to control movements of black people. And we don't have to accept that if we start developing a new cultural paradigm or go back to the cultural paradigm of our ancestors. Because we, it wasn't just like Baba Lumumba been saying all night. It wasn't based off of individualism. European culture is based off of individualism. Self-preservation, the first law of nature, and all to uh, look out for number one, all these little sayings, those are European sayings. They didn't come from Africans or an African yeah. frame of mind. That's yeah, true. That's true. I just wanted to say that, Baba Lumumba, I'm, I'm glad that you joined us this evening. And look forward to you maybe coming on in future programs to give us some insights on things moving forward.
10: Well, I, I thank you for asking me and, uh, uh, you know, you gave me a chance to, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm, <clears throat> as older I get, the harder it is to muster enough energy up to, but I know what I'm saying. I, it needs to be heard. And uh you gave me a chance to, for some people to hear it. So thank you very much for inviting me and I'll be happy to do it again. sometime. Okay.
1: Thank you, and uh, (laughs) thanks for being with us. Talk to you soon. And you take care. All
10: right, brothers. Stay
1: strong. we'll, We'll be right back to wind things down.
11: Elliot and brother Richard on time for an awakening media part of the black talk radio network for podcasting or live program scheduling hit them up at time for an at gmail.com
4: 2415 That number is 215 885 All insurance incorporated.
6: Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today
18: 484-268-9837. The digital plantation IBBTumi.com IBTumi dot TV TV dot com are here for you. You are ready to be free of non African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Black Power. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global commit to you black family. To join your interconnected, commit-to-you black communities, escape the digital plantation now. Abib2Me.com, abib ibb2me.tv, We are here for you. Escape the think, digital yeah, plantation. A new
3: era, a new phase of the struggle, where we have moved from a struggle for decency, which characterized our struggle for ten or twelve years to a struggle for genuine equality. And this is where we are getting the resistance because there was never any intention uh, to go this far. People were reacting to Bull Connor and to Jim Clark rather than acting in good faith for the realization of genuine equality. Do you think white people
10: in this country, and I'm talking about non-segregation, as people devoid thinking they're devoid of racism do you have any idea of what they want the Negro to be
3: in America I think the vast majority of white Americans uh, will go but so far it's a kind of installment plan for equality and uh, they're always looking for an excuse uh, to go but so far
12: and know that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep Thanks.
11: Whites are expert game players in their contests to maintain absolute power. One of the time-honored gimmicks is to point to individual blacks who've achieved recognition. But look at Ralph Bunch. Think about Lena Horne or Mary Anderson. Look at Jackie Robinson. They made it as one of those who has made it. I would like to be thought of as an inspiration to our young but I don't want them lied to. Name them for me. Examples of blacks who made it. For virtually everyone you name, I can give you a sordid piece of factual information on how they have been mistreated, humiliated, not being able to fight back as a form of severe punishment.
8: I come
3: here tonight and plead with you. If the Negro is to be free, he must move down into the inner resources of his own soul and sign with a pen and ink of self-assertive manhood his own Emancipation (laughs) Proclamation. Don't let anybody Take
11: your manhood. Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform.
1: Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. I want to thank uh, the founder of the Emoja House uh, Cultural Black Think Tank, and Cultural Center in Washington DC, real Bob Lumumba for joining us this evening. Richard, interesting discussion yes, uh yep. with Bob Lumumba. Yes, it was. And you know,
5: what what struck me too as he was he opened up more is the history he gave as far as um you know, before the the Bobby and the Yui. Um I I thought that as far as the Black Panthers, you know, in that in that period and and the importance of institution building and relationship building. Um, I think that that's, that's, that's critical um, to, to understand and it's difficult um, for all of us to be able to try to do. So to build, to build institutions, to build relationships with these particular set of values so that we're not invisible.
1: Yeah. And you're absolutely right. And the thing is, Richard, these things are being done now Mm. Uh, and both young and old, uh, black men and black women are involved in it. Uh, It's just that you don't, you're not going to hear it on uh, the the television and on the the news at 11 or the news at 6. Because, and, and the funny thing about it, he mentioned in the beginning that cultural center down in D.C., he said it houses about 20 other groups that come together. You remember you mentioned that, Richard? 20 organizations, yeah. And, you know, they you know they established ideas, try to establish community, uh, give awards to people that's working in the community, things of that nature. Now, it just so happens that Brother Siddiqui called out of Boston and said that All he right. had met him before but don't really know him, right? Mm-hmm. Right, and you know what the Nubian Leadership Circle is doing up there in Boston—a sim- right. similar work, right—with many groups and cadres and and in and, and sessions all the time. So I'm just saying, Richard, this work is being done now. Maybe some cities where Black people are a little further behind than others, and some might be a further than ahead than others. But that's what Baba was talking about about building community. This, right, this work is being done. And, and he's
5: also right, Elliot When because I do see it you do see it in the photos of these uh young people who graduate. How many have those Kenty car- uh scarfs on? you know, which is you know whether they whether they recognize it or not, it's a part of their sensibility that they they have some connection with their their cultural or historical identity that has to be built on. Um, you know by how all of us and and you know reinforces that if they come in contact with you and you and you say oh we'll never be nothing you they you know we'll i mean automatically whatever that sensibility is it's being destroyed it's not being enhanced and reinforced it's being destroyed because they may not even know why it's important for them to have that symbolic reference even at this moment, even going into an institution that is cultivating them to work against their own best interest. But in spite of that, they felt it was important to represent, to show some symbol of that cultural identity, which can be built on to, uh, um, those cultural values being reinforced through the Kwanzaa period or, you know, or those principles. You know, but that requires each one of us to be a part of that reinforcement, more than um, being a possibly being a detriment to that reinforcement.
1: Yeah, and and and, and Richard, listen. Uh, you know, we see the things that's going on, and we see how these communities is being destroyed uh, by adapting and and. Uh, wanting to be part of a Western culture that basically is rejecting to us. It's almost like you drinking uh, something that's that's uh, poisonous to you and you're throwing up. Mm-hmm. And you see what's happening with our people. But keep in mind, and I don't think some of our people realize it, and they might. This system, in order to function, it needs a percentage of our people to buy into it. Because mm-hmm. he needs us. He needs you. He needed you back then physically needed you back then even at the institution with slavery was over he needed a percentage of you see before that he needed all of you to be you know to, needed all of us but now he needs a percentage whether it's 2% whatever it's a percentage that's needed mm-hmm. for, for optic purposes to keep this thing going Hmm. There you go, and 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 it and it just goes to the uh, the thing that you've been asserting all along about a colony, an internal colony, right? And you know, before we go, let me read, and I'm just going to read a couple of paragraphs from this August 14th, 1862 meeting between Lincoln and the first black, they call it colored, delegation that ever uh, was in that White House. He met with. A group of, of 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 black people, some of my ancestors, and this is what was said to him. Now, you know, you, you don't hear this. You know, they, you hear the thing about Lincoln as our friend, and they, they, you know that that statue where it shows a black man bending down and basically at Lincoln's feet. You remember seeing that statue, Richard? right yeah. But let's really let it seep in because there's an overwhelming theme here to what he's saying. And just a couple paragraphs. Now, you can go on government websites and get the whole thing and read it. But I'm going to just pull a couple of these paragraphs and read it, you know, at the closing of this program. August 14th, 1862. This afternoon, the president of the United States gave audience to a committee of colored men at the White House. And it mentions the people that organized it, that was in office at the time, appointed positions. It says he informed them that a sum of money had been appropriated by Congress and placed at his disposition for the purpose of aiding the colonization in some other country of the people of African descent. Mm -hmm. It says, uh, and he asked why should people of your race be colonized and where? That was the question. Why should they leave this country? This is perhaps the first question for proper consideration. And this is, he says, comments, Richard. You and we are different races. We have between us a broader difference than exists between almost any other two races. Whether it's right or wrong, I need not discuss. But this physical difference is a great disadvantage for both of us as i think your race suffers greatly uh and many of them by living among us while ours suffer from your presence mm-hmm. in a word we suffer on each side if this is admitted uh it affords a reason at least why we should be separated you mm-hmm. cease to be now he was talking to a free group of blacks he says you mm-hmm. cease to be slaves You are yet far removed from being placed on equality with with the white race. See your condition, your present condition. The country is engaged in war. Our white men cutting one another's throats. But your race among us, but for your race among us, there could not be war. Although many men engaged on both sides do not care one way or the other in reference to you. Nonetheless, I repeat, without the institution of slavery and the colored race as a basis, we could not, this war would not exist. There is an unwillingness on the part of our people, harsh as it may be, for you colored uh, people to walk around free among us. If we deal with those who are not free at the beginning, and those whose intellect are clouded by slavery, we have poor material to start with. But if we deal with intelligent colored men, such as is before me, who would move on this matter, much might be accomplished. It is exceedingly important that we have men at the beginning capable of thinking as white men and not those who have been systematically oppressed. So, Richard, you had... Uh Lincoln and the Congress of the United the government mm-hmm. that didn't want blacks walking around free in society that appropriated money for blacks to leave here. This was during the war. Right. In hopes to avert uh more bloodshed, it didn't work. But the ideal of what he was proposing. Having an internal colony. See, this colony that he was speaking of, Richard, was going to be outside the United States. Right. But still be used by the United States and still be used by white folks. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah. Well, being it, I mean, history shows you what happened with that war and what black people did to win that war. But that same philosophy of using an internal colony. Still exist,
15: right?
1: When he said that, uh, it's then uh, that that line is important. I think it' most 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 important line in that speech, as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. that we would have men at the beginning capable of thinking as white men, and not those mm-hmm. who have been systematically oppressed. Mm-hmm. So that's what we see now. We see black leadership thinking as Europeans and some of them might be going through with, with uh, when I read about what the boys are saying in the beginning mm. about two minds warring in one black body, either way is detrimental to our people. There you go. You go. Before we leave tonight, just want to give the uh, lineup on time for an Awakening Media. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. African Perspectives. With Brother Oshie, always interesting topics and dialogues on African Perspectives. That's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Later on in the week on Thursdays, 7 to 8, Mississippi on the move. Brother Patrick remember, and the Black Liberation Movement in Mississippi. At 7 to 8 on Thursdays, on Fridays, 8 until Time for Awakening is back. On Saturdays from 7 to 9, the Elders of Sankofa would host Dr. Janine James. And on Sunday at 7 p.m., Time for Awakening from 7 until. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always, and we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace.
0: driving through the country on a lazy afternoon, <laughs> or you're watching your children play.